You know him. We've uh, Van Williams lives close by and has preached here before. He's bringing a message this morning. Uh, Van was a, a youth pastor when Dan was growing up, and so that's one connection. Also, uh, Van works with Carn, uh, and he'll share a little bit about that this morning. So, welcome, Dan. Put my, put everything. Good morning to you. Good morning. What we got here. I don't know if we have a PowerPoint that I can. There we go. So I'm not sure if it's intentional that Dan's not here every time I show up, but I know it isn't intentional today because he wasn't sure how popular this idea would be. This morning I'm presenting available a Manor Gospels. Uh, first online dating service. So you guys can uh, register after the service and see how that works out for you. Okay, actually, um, let me see if I can clicky click. Yet. Pardon me? Point up into the sky. All right. Oh, hey, there we go. Let me see if I can... Hmm. Sorry, I just, I'm, I just need control. That's all there is. <laughs> or I could say, click. Okay, but not yet. So uh, right there, there's, there's a subtitle. I had all kinds of subtitles. Being willing and ready to become a servant with righteous priorities and being willing to change... There, yeah, anyway, but but uh, blah blah blah. But there's one there for you. Be willing and ready to, to uh, become a servant and change everything. That's kind of a big, a big call. So I, I want to. Uh, we'll just go to the next slide, which has uh, just the passage for you. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to that. I think I got it on the screen at, at some point, so we'll be able to read it as well. But um, let's see here. Um, but we'll go now to the next one. I really... Uh-oh. How's that going? Sorry. I'm not being able to do this. So, unfortunately, I have like seven clicks on this, which I'm not going to do right now. Um, I just wanted to uh, ask you guys, Elijah. You know who Elijah is. Um, tell me about Elijah. Um, if I say, who is Elijah... Obviously, the first thing that comes to your mind is he's a Tishbite, right? Uh, but, uh, which is very unfortunate for him. But uh, that means he's from Tishba in, in Gilead. But uh, so what else comes to mind? He's a prophet, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you know about him? Do you remember any stories about Elijah? He's supposed to destroy Baal and like... Uh, uh, is that the showdown between Baal and, and uh, the prophets of, of Yahweh? Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites. Uh, um, pardon me? He flew off in a, a chariot of fire? So, yeah, so we're saying, is, this, is that when he goes up in the whirlwind and, and heaven? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, anybody else? Another story? Pardon me? He was fed by ravens. That's right. That's true. And by a, a widow. 
as well. Uh, any other stories you remember? He, he rose the widow's son from the, from the dead. So let's, let's just click through all these, these uh, ones here, and we'll just get to uh, um, a picture. Here, you're going you're gonna to solve my problem. Awesome. Thank you. So there's a picture for you. Oh, go back. Sorry. It's working now? That's magical. Thank you. Let me just... Okay, yeah. Something's happening. So um, now there's a meme there for the kids, you know, because all the kids are familiar with Andy and Barney there. Um, basically... Uh, just wanted to let you know that when I get to the end of this sermon, it's not actually over. I've got a, I'm going to do a little presentation about Karn after, so, so don't get your hopes up. When, we, when I pray, we've got a little more time, okay? So just, just to be with me. Okay, so, but I am going to read now uh, from this passage and uh, read, it, read it to you here, maybe interject the odd thing. So Elijah went from there, and found Elisha, oh, from there, from there. So, uh, from where? Uh, basically, he was, if you remember the story, Elijah was listening to earth, wind, and fire, and then what happened was uh, he heard a, like a small voice, and that uh, still small voice told him to go on from there. So that's where he was at, and then he went and he found Elisha, son of Japhat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair, so... Twelve pairs. How many oxen? Twenty-four, exactly. Okay. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Uh, when I was a kid, people would have said threw a mantle on him, which was, sounded very scary and painful, but this is, this is better. Uh, he threw his cloak around him, and Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back. Elijah replied, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned them, plowing the, the plowing equipment, to cook the meat and gave it to the people. And they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So, um, if we go back to 1916 and 1 Kings, we know something that Elisha doesn't know, okay? So Elisha, I think, is the mystery farmer, if you're listening. Uh, so he's, uh, he's, he's the guy who has, uh, well, the equivalent of, of, of 12 tractors, basically, which is a pretty, it's a pretty big setup, I think. So he's doing quite well. But anyway, so... If we look back at 1916, we can see that there's a call coming. Uh, God says to Elijah to go anoint Elisha, son of Japhat, from Abel-Maholah to succeed you as prophet. So we know that he's going to become a great prophet. He doesn't know this yet, okay? So, and that's the truth with all of us. When a call is coming for us, whatever God has for us, uh, we don't know. We don't know what's coming for us. We don't know specifically what God is going to ask of us. And so as we look at Elisha's response here, hopefully uh, it, could, it can help us to get um, ready for anything God is going to be asking of us. 
I just have you know, a number of observations and questions along the way. Uh, it's only three verses, so, you know, am I preaching? We'll see, I guess. Um, but uh, one of the things that we see if we go to verse 19 was, uh, as I've already alluded to, Elisha was, was pretty wealthy. Uh, it seems like he's already set up uh, something uh, apart from his own parents. He's got his own thing going on. Uh, which is a, a huge business, uh, 12 teams of oxen. And so he's got this wealthy uh, family that he's come from, probably, uh, but he himself has now fully established in this great farming business. And uh, so he's, he's doing pretty well, but Elijah kind of steps into this big, big s- situation that he's got going on. So i just asking questions of, of, um, of you, are, are you fairly well taken care of right now? Is your life sort of set up and established? Uh, what are your own plans for your life? What are your own plans for your future? What are you thinking that your life is going to be like as you go forward? Do you expect that maybe things will stay the same or maybe they'll, maybe they'll even get better for you as you go along? That maybe you'll have a, a future that... Uh, that makes you happy. Um, maybe if you're younger, you're thinking, you know, I'll probably, I'll probably get married someday. And, uh, and maybe you're thinking that you'll probably have kids. And maybe if you're a bit older, you're thinking, I have kids. Maybe I'm going to get some grandkids along the way. Um, maybe you're thinking you, you, you'll make a, a pretty good amount of money. You have a, a, an idea in your mind. A lot, of, a lot of kids are growing up and they're assuming that they're going to be able to get a good job and make, make good money. But I'm not talking about what you want to have happen with you in the future. What I'm asking you to think about is just what you really expect, what you kind of realistically plan for. Are things uh, going to you know, basically stay the same, uh, doing as well as you are right now? Um, a lot of times our expectations don't really account for uh, inflation, you know? Um, I mean, isn't that it, though? We generally think that we're going to kind of be doing as well as we are. That's kind of what we think in our life. And or if we're younger, we're thinking that my life, as I get older, I'm going to kind of probably be able to do as well as my parents did. My life is going to look pretty similar to that, maybe. And, and uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll even be able to do, you know, better. But... Um, so Elisha had a plan for his life. And it was a, it was a big... Uh, business, um, and it was well put together for the future, and, but he, he obviously welcomed uh, God into it, right? Obviously, Elisha knew who Elijah was, and when Elijah came through, I mean, it, it seems like he knew, because he ran after him and said, yeah, I'm going to follow you, so he probably had heard his name a number of times, and maybe heard some of these stories that we mentioned earlier, and was like, Wow, this is great. He really he wants me to come and 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 be with him. So, um, but what was Elisha's plan for his future? Does anybody remember what Elisha was going to do? Anybody? I think they move. Do they move? Ox ox move, right? Yeah. Anyway, anybody? That's just a hint. Any idea? He was a farmer. Yeah, he he had. Uh, a lot of a lot of oxen, and he was, he was, you know, was it a bad plan? 
Was that a was that a good thing? Was there something evil about Elisha, his plan? Uh, no, it was a good thing. He had a good plan for his life. It wasn't a bad thing at all. And uh, but he was willing to follow Elijah, and by extension, he was willing to follow God and change the plan that he had for his life, which was a pretty significant setup. I mean, when you get that far, when you've got everything going, and you and you are. Uh, able to be a part of a, a huge team of people uh, working for you. And, uh, and then God steps in and says, we're going to do something else. That's a big deal. But there was nothing wrong with Elisha's plan. What is it that made following Elijah the best choice? Because it was God's idea, right? God had a different plan. And this is the simple truth. God's plan is the best. It's the righteous choice. It's, it's the best choice for us. It's not because it was a radical choice that this was the best choice for Elisha. It's because it was God's plan. Um, so we can see in verse 20, if we look at that there, that he was responding to the call. Um, I mean, but how was he responding? It's kind of a weird thing. He, mean, he goes to him and he says, you know, I, I need to go kiss my, my father and my mother goodbye. And, and, and uh, Elijah says, go back. What have I done to you? Or, or another way to translate it is, what have I to do with you? Um, so the question is, is Elisha unwilling? Is he hesitant? Or is he actually ready to go? I mean, I think he knows that very possibly he's, he's choosing to never, ever come back again. And so it's a big decision for him. He's challenged, what have I done with you or done to you? Uh, make this decision. And, and what did he do to him? I mean, Elijah showed him that there was another opportunity in his life that he wasn't expecting, that he wasn't planning for, but which may alter everything. And... Uh, so that's a, that's a pretty big deal. And we know that in, in the New Testament, we see Jesus will be talking with someone. He'll come along to them and he'll say, he'll say, follow me. And what happens? I mean, they will drop their business. They will drop everything and they will go and they will follow. And they'll do whatever it is that Jesus was saying to do, which in that case was just to his, be his disciple. But Jesus obviously has called us all to be his disciples. But he might call us to very specific things we don't, we don't know yet. So, um, also, uh, we know that, uh, you know, there's a story where the guy comes to Jesus and says, yeah, I, I want to follow you, but I, can I go bury my father? And Jesus says, uh, why don't you let the dead bury their own dead? And so, um, I mean, there is a, a reality that when Jesus calls us to something, that he isn't really wanting us to spend a lot of time in hesitation. And I think Elisha was, was not really hesitating. I think he was eliminating all of his options. Um, so we need to realize, he realized, and we need to realize, when God calls us to change anything, to change something, to change everything, right? He says, I'm going to go kiss my mom and my dad goodbye. But really, Elisha was ready. He had to be ready to kiss his life goodbye. And uh, so what did Elisha understand that made him able to make that choice? 
I think we heard uh, a bit of that here with the, with the chickens here this morning. But what did he understand that made him able to make this choice? What did he understand about God's choice or God's plan? Pardon me? It was the best, right. What did he understand about God in order to make this choice? That he's good, that he's trustworthy, right? And so this, was the, this is all that uh, Elisha needed at this point to make this decision. But I want to ask you this morning, are you really ready to make this type of choice? I mean, it doesn't happen to us every day. It doesn't even happen to all of us that we have to do some crazy radical change of life. But I'm asking us to think about, are we actually ready if this happened? Do any of us actually believe that God would actually interrupt our plan for our lives to, uh, to come and follow his plan? And let me just say, he would, okay? God uh, is absolutely ready at any time to change your life to something totally other than you expected. And... Uh, he may or may not do that, but he has the right and the ability. And the danger in our lives, if we don't believe that, what's that, what is the danger? If we don't believe that God might actually ask us to change, we're going to miss the best possibility for our lives. Something is, someone is, if something is going to happen, it's going to appear to us And we're going to argue ourselves out of it. We're going to make up all kinds of reasons that this couldn't possibly be from God because God wouldn't ask me to totally alter my life. So that's that's the danger, is missing out on the best. Exactly. But would God make you do it? I don't don't think so. I think we had a moment here with with, uh, Elijah that that tells us that, you know, if we said to the Lord, you know, I'm not sure, I think I need to do this. He would say, what have I done? What have I done to you? You know, I've just, I've opened a door. What have I done? And you remember the rich young ruler, right? I mean, it was basically, uh, what do I need to do? Oh, you need to do this, 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 this. Oh, I'm doing that. That's good. What Anything else I need to do? Yeah, you need to sell all you have and give to the poor and then, and then you can follow me. Oh. Okay, so uh, that's not my thing. And, uh, you know, he walked away. God isn't going to force us into this, but he will definitely open the opportunities for us. I want to do something that, um, you know, I got in trouble for in another church, so I thought I'd try it here. Um, Oops, did I? Wow, I must have done something terrible there. I didn't know there was a button that could do that. Um, Sure, we'll go with that for now. I want you to get into groups of about three, maybe four, up to you. Just get into groups for a minute here. I actually want you to answer a question with each other, to talk to each other in church. Can you believe this? Okay, it's weird. I know it's weird, but I'm I'm going to do this. And uh, so... Here's the question, okay? Do you think you would recognize it if God was calling you to switch your plan for His? 
Do you think you would recognize it? That's kind of one question. Another way to ask the question, or, or another question, is how would you? How would you recognize it? How do you recognize it when God has come and asked you to change your plan out for His? So I just want you to talk about that for a little bit in groups of three. Um, I'll just say this. Probably the person who speaks the longest knows the least about it. So you don't have to... You don't, <laughs> you don't have to, it doesn't have to be long answers, but I just want you to talk for a little bit and uh, go ahead. Okay, so when you start talking about the weather, you're done, just so you know. Okay. So let's, let's just bring it, let's bring it back together here. And anybody really feel like somebody, and it doesn't have to be you, but somebody in your group said something you thought was, was quite, quite profound that you, you would actually be willing to share with your, your congregation right now? Oh, was it good? <laughs> it was good. <laughs> nice. Uh, and any thought? I mean, this is um, truthfully a very difficult part of the Christian life, right? When uh, we start to think, uh, oh, I, I, I wonder if, wow, I wonder if I'm supposed to be doing something else. It's a very, it's a very big deal, and it, and it's it's pretty scary for a lot of us. And I think it's just about uh, seeking wisdom with other people and uh, trying to affirm affirm that, that call um, and, and trying to identify ways to know that this is the spirit of God leading and not, not just my own uh, crazy ideas, right? So, uh, but I'm going to go forward and talk about what happened with Elisha once he, he, uh, he got this call. Uh, I, I think I would say he went into sort of a celebration mode. He celebrated this counterculture call that he had he had received, um, and I'll talk about why I consider it counterculture in a minute, but um, and what did Elisha do with his growing business? He, he got rid of it, right, for, for a big party. I mean, uh, there had to be quite a few people who were able to eat in this situation. So what was he celebrating? Right? I, I, I think that he was celebrating that he had received this call and he was, he was uh, kind of getting rid of those options that he had to say, I'm really into this. You know, um, what, what was the calling that he received, though? This is an interesting point. Um, from the Bible later on, we'll see that when Elisha is... is um, is introduced in another situation. Uh, people are saying, oh, is there a prophet or whatever? They go and they turn in, in uh, um, uh, 2 Kings 3.11, and basically, well, there's somebody who says, oh, well, there, he, there, here's someone who used to be uh, the one who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And in fact, in the passage that we read in verse 21... Um, so Elisha left him and went back. He took a, his yoke of oxen. He slaughtered them. He burned them. 
the plowing equipment to cook the meat. He gave it to the people and they ate. And they set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Uh, another translation says his attendant. But we know uh, that at least one job was to be the water boy. Help him wash his hands. Uh, so now think about, <laughs> think about that. Uh, this huge business setup that he had, he said, uh, yeah, I'm willing to, to, to burn that. I mean, uh, and get rid of that to go and, and be somebody's water boy. I mean, would you be willing to get rid of a small or big business venture uh, that was really making cash to go be somebody's attendant? Um, I mean, so there's the question. How small of a call are you willing to take from God? <laughs> and, and also, how, how, how big of a call? Are you too proud to maybe take a smaller call, some idea? Or maybe are you too scared to maybe respond to a bigger call that God might have? In your mind, you're thinking this is, this is just too big. We've got to realize that to be available to God is to be available to whatever the call is, no matter how big, no matter how small. And, and we know that if we're faithful in the little things, we very well may be given bigger things along the way, which did eventually turn out to be the case for Elisha. So we have to be ready, as he was, <clears throat> to reorganize our priorities, right? So he went, he went from being the big man, rich entrepreneur guy, uh, to an attendant. He burned half of his future, and he ate the other half. Okay? I mean, he had help. But... <clears throat> So let me just think with you. Would you be willing to change what you do with your entertainment? What you do with your friends? What you, where you live? Where your location is? Where your, uh, how much property you have? What, what you do with your weekends, your, your time? Would you be willing to change what you do with your money? Um, research shows that there's almost no link between uh, a person's faith and how they steward their resources in North America. Would you be willing to change the options that you're going to pick uh, that you have in school next year? Would you be willing to change what you do with your lunch hour? What you... Uh, Obviously, the question, what you do with your job. There's something called the American dream, and I think it's the North American dream. It's actually an assumption. An assumption is something that you think without thinking about it. Okay? So the assumption is this. It goes something like this. I, I go to school. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to follow my career. Uh, or maybe I'll go to college and I'll get a degree and, and, uh, and then I'm going to go and get a good paying job, set, set things up so I can support myself or maybe support a family. And, and maybe, or maybe I'll rent for a little while until I can afford something and we'll, we'll maybe get a small house and, uh, 
and then maybe I'll buy a house, and then maybe I could sell that and I get a bigger house and maybe get some, some more land with that. And uh, yeah, maybe get a bigger this or bigger that or more of these. And Is it right or is it wrong? The American dream assumption. Well, let me just talk about facts about the future. I mean, the idea itself may not be immoral, but it is very likely going to be inaccurate. <laughs> okay. Uh, it takes now four incomes to equal the same amount of comfort that the people got out of one income in 1960s. So there was one point where it took two, and so then you needed everybody, both people needed to work. Now, you need both your kids to work, to make it work. To get the same amount of comfort. It's just the facts of the way life is happening. And so I just want us to recognize the fact that it's a dream. The North American dream, the American dream is a dream. Okay? And yet, for many of us, it's our plan. That's probably not a healthy thing. Okay? Whatever God asks you to do always requires the death of the old person and the rebirth of a new person. What does God want me to do? You, you know what? You're welcome to have a plan for your life. We're all welcome to have a plan. And that's good. As long as the Lord is welcome in it. That's all I want us to think about today, to understand today. As long as he's welcome to change it. And so I want you to think, I'm going to pray in a second here. Remember, I'm going to do more after that. But I'm going to pray in a second. I want you to think about, am I willing to commit to the Lord today? To, to say these words, I am willing to have you change my plans. I am willing to have you change my life. I am available. So I, I'm going to pray something like that, but that's the, the gist of what I want you to just stop right now and think, am I really, really ready to pray that? So let's just think. Father, it's... Um, it's good to see Elisha's uh, response. He, he, uh, he did more than kiss his parents goodbye. He, he kissed his plan goodbye. Uh, I just think of the courage of him as such a um, well-established farmer just being willing to... Uh, Give it all away and uh, start anew, Lord. It's a, it's a big deal and it's very much a, a challenge to us as, as well as an encouragement. 
Father God, uh, I know that you've changed my life uh, a few times on me and set the direction aright and to better things, and I'm thankful for that. But at the time, it, it certainly did come with a cost. And uh, I want to be willing today. I want to commit to you, Lord. Say, God, I am willing to have you change my plans. I'm willing, God, to have you change my life. Father in heaven, I am available to you. Amen. So, I'm here to represent uh, a network of people, a bunch of people. And so I want to thank you for letting me come today uh, and talk to you also about this, uh, this group that I've uh, come to work with here. So, um, so our vision really, in a nutshell, is that we want to become a miracle. <laughs> We want to become a statistical anomaly. We want to be uh, a miracle that directs people to God. Um, and already a miracle is taking place in that there are a number of churches actually working together on this. Um, the, uh, the mission is that we want to see Another way to put it is we want to see every church doing something about addiction. Every church looking and saying, how can we be a part of what's going on? I, I'm very uh, impressed with what's happened so far. Uh, and not all these works are, are huge, but they are works of God. Um, we have AA, which is uh, definitely uh, Christ-centered people leading it. And we have NA as the same. We have something called Freedom Session. Uh, at Mount Olive Church, we have uh, Celebrate Recovery at Bethel in town. Um, we have Partner Support, which is uh, for uh, women whose partners are addicted to pornography. We have um, MTO Reach, uh, which is, again, is a, a Mount Olive thing, which is... Um, um, accessible clinical counseling for people, uh, both who've experienced trauma and, are, and those who are addicted. We have something called Pleasant Boundaries, uh, which is uh, kind of our newest group. Um, and that's basically, um, f at this point, it's for women who are wanting to work on sort of uh, food issues and challenges with, uh, with eating. And so... Um, that's uh, called Pleasant Boundaries and uh, led by actually um, one of the board, board members of CARN. So uh, it's been cool to see that, that come about. Um, what's going on, though, uh, here uh, needs to grow and cannot be maintained right now by, um, by the amount of people who are involved in it. Um, and by the number of churches, I would say probably four, three or four churches at uh, the most are really making all of this stuff happen. So in that sense, I don't think it can be maintained. Um, and yet, there's other things that need to be dealt with. There are other addictions 
that people are dealing with that we're not, we're not really touching. There are different age groups who are dealing with addiction who need, uh, need to be able to be helped. So one of the things I wanted to let you know is that we partner with uh, Red Deer Dream Center for residential care for men. So uh, if somebody is really having a difficult time, uh, very often it's best to get out of your uh, situation that you're in, go away somewhere else, and get some, get some help where you can kind of reorder your life. So that's a great thing to happen at Red Deer Dream Center. But we want to have all these other things together so that when a person comes back from that, they don't, they don't just lose all the things that they've been learning at the Dream Center, but now they come back and they can go to Freedom Session or they can go to AA or they can go to all of these things. Another thing on there that I didn't mention is the journey, which is at this point it's only for men. It has, we've had a group for women, but we don't have one right now. The journey is, is for men who are, who are struggling with pornography and, um, and they're, trying to, they're trying to get out of that. Uh, the journey is a, a great ministry that can that can help help you with that. So um, so there's there's a lot of stuff going on but and uh, and we're very thankful for what's for what's happening. One of the other things that I wanted to point out, there's a, a group that we've connected with and talked to since Saskatchewan called the Rock uh, Solid Refuge and uh, basically it's a um, it's a unique kind of ministry that is uh, reaching out to to youth uh, boys uh, who are addicted and it's a residential kind of ranch setup that uh, it's just a, a great thing. In fact, last year all of the people that were there were from Alberta. I thought that was kind of an interesting situation. Now, they're on a hiatus right now because they have some leaders that they need to rehire and they don't want to run without a full staff, but that's kind of what's going on right now. So, um, And it's an amazing work, but um, um, here's something that I think you need to hear. I, w- I would like you as a church to hear this. Um, I have a vision, and I've actually had it as a dream, <laughs> which is kind of wild, uh, that we should replicate the ministry of Rock Solid Refuge here in Alberta, except for girls, because there's nothing like this for girls. Um, so it's a Christian residential kind of ranch setup that um, you know teen guys can go to in Saskatchewan, and uh, people from all over across Canada go to this because there's nothing quite like it, especially in the sense of of being uh, accessible financially for people. Um, I mean, you can send people off if you if you have if you have a lot of money, you can send people off to all kinds of things, but. For something that's actually affordable, this is an amazing thing. But I really would like to see in Alberta uh, this happen. And I'd like to see it happen for girls. So the, the girls from across Canada, uh, I mean, they need essentially, uh, constantly would need to have at least six girls who are, are going through the program to be able to make it viable. Um, obviously, you would have more, more going through it over time, but... I'm pretty sure there's six addicted girls in Canada. I think we can do this. So um, it's, pretty, it's a pretty sad situation that there is nothing for them. So I want to let, let, let you know that, uh, I mean, we have someone who's actually thinking through having it on their land in Stetler and, uh, or around Stetler area. Uh, 
But there would need to be people who would commit to a financial support for this. This is not a small thing. Once you get the whole staff together, uh, your, your budget is over a million dollars a year. Uh, it's, it's quite a significant thing uh, because you have to have qualified people and people who are, who are able to be there. You need, you need youth staff for them. You need, uh, uh, we, need to, we would need to, if it was this particular land, we'd need to build housing. Uh, for the staff, for the, for the obviously the participants, the students there, uh, some people might actually need to be willing to move there. Uh, youth workers, possibly teachers, administrators, someone who would be actually be willing to be the director for it. So you know, is it going to happen? I don't know. I really don't know. I just want you to think about whether you're willing. Whether if you start to hear that it's happening, are you are you Coin a phrase, available. So are you uh, in the place where you would be willing to do that if God, if God made it clear to you that this is something to be a part of? So, um, oops, I did that. I pushed that crazy button again. I really didn't mean to. Oh, yeah, baby, I got it. I got, I'm, I'm, look at that. Okay, so I want to tell you also about a conference that we have coming up. One of the main things that Karn is trying to do is put together training every year that will be helpful for people who are involved in uh, addiction ministry. And so, uh, but addiction ministry is, is, really there's a lot of people who are addicted, addicted. And so discipleship with just about anybody is going to be an addiction ministry at some point. And so one of the things that we wanted people to be able to think about is, is how to help people grow in Christ. It can be a complicated thing to disciple people. And you, you probably know if you've ever been depressed or you've really struggled with anxiety or you've been traumatized or you are addicted, you probably know that people don't always disciple you well. They don't always make the right assumptions. They don't really know exactly how to help. And uh, that's fair. So we want to be able to help uh, people learn learn how to do that. So we have a Dr. Josh Cruz. He's coming from, from BC. He works for, uh, he has, runs a counseling center in the village church there. And so he's coming. And uh, Dr., or not Dr., uh, but Ken Dick, he's the author of something called Freedom Session. And, and it's an international kind of thing that's happening. Freedom Session is a ministry, 12-step ministry, uh, that's happening in many churches and prisons and all kinds of places. Um, so he's coming as well. Uh, then we also have Richard Evans and TJ McKenzie, who both work uh, at MTO Reach, and uh, they are, are going to also come and present specifically in terms of discipling people who are addicted. So I just want to... Um, how did I get my steps standing up here? Anyway, uh, <clears throat> so... All right, I'll accept it. Uh, so this is the... This is the so there's about five posters back there. So if you, have a, if you have a place of work or something that you feel would be good to put a poster for this up in, then please take one of those and just, and just put it up. Uh, also, if you go to our website, you can download a poster. Uh, it's a legal size. So, but, um, but yeah, you can download a poster for that. So um, yeah, I just wanted you to be aware of what we're doing and what's coming up. And again, I just, I just want to thank you. And I will, I will double close in prayer. Are you ready for that? Thank you, Lord, again, 
Would you be with us this week as we try and discern, you know, just what are the right decisions, what are the best decisions, and, and ultimately, Lord, as we seek your will in everything we do, help us to have our eyes set on you, Lord, and I want to pray for the people who are addicted in, in this county, which is most of us, but uh, that you'd help us, Lord, to walk in step with you and to hear from you and to find the help that we need, and, uh, and Lord, help us to be the help that others need around us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Blessings on you all.